Good morning. I was, I really wanted Kayla. She didn't know it. I was like, Lord, we've got to sing that song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light. And I mean, Moses is leading the children of Israel out of bondage. And I'm like, Waymaker, Miracle. I mean, come on. It was perfect. And then um, my daughter was um, on stage singing with Kayla um, this weekend, and she sang that song. Um, I love her heart of worship. She takes after her Uncle Daniel in her music abilities. Um, Yeah, just so, so, so blessed. How many of you are at the Feast of Tabernacles? I almost, you guys because I knew that's how many people were there, was going to be like, all right, everybody sit down. We're going to watch on the screen, watch, you know, dad teach us about tabernacles. <laughs> but I didn't. I feel a little loud. Am I kind of loud? I feel there. Um, it's like, hello. Um, yeah, but I, I, please, please, please go on the archives um, and watch uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. You guys remember, again, um, of course, I would love to teach on that too, and we have a whole message here, but um, it is all, I mean, we're, we're right in, in Genesis. We're flowing right with this whole story. There's a picture, and it doesn't stop at a certain time period, you know, centuries or thousands of years ago, but the Lord, as we're learning in the Hebraic mindset, and how he teaches, how the Lord teaches his kids is in these pictures and in these shadows and in these types and in these templates that then he goes, I want you to practice here and there will be a certain level of fulfillment, but then I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it again because he's training us. He's raising us up. He's maturing his, his kids, actually. Um, it says into the full stature of of the Lord himself, which is crazy. He's giving us the mind of Christ. So he's, he's giving us more and more light, more and more revelation. And so uh, Tabernacles, um, you know, I, I'm putting it on my Instagram, like, listen to this, watch this, learn, because it's in the Bible, and it's something that we're going to be doing for literally the whole millennial reign, is tabernacles. It's an entire picture of an ultimate fulfillment of God literally sitting on the throne, a physical throne in Jerusalem again, ruling and reigning with us, ruling and reigning with him. So um, we're supposed to be understanding and practicing what that is now and getting more and more understanding. My son, even Noah, um, who is you know, doing YWAM, um, and, you know, it's a whole discipleship thing, and then he's going um, to Indonesia and all that. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm texting him, Noah Michael, you must watch Tabernacles. He's like, meh, well, we'll see, Mom. And I'm like, no, you're watching it. And I'm like, because you, he goes, well, I, I know, I, I just don't get as excited as you. I said, I understand. It's because you don't get it. But that's why we come to places like this and times like this, because we're being taught. We're learning, remember? What did we do when we figured it out on our own at the very beginning in the garden? There's two trees, one don't eat of. And on our own, in our own wisdom, we chose with that free will that God gave to us to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And look where that led us. Okay? 
So this whole thing and the beauty that is opening up, I wish I could even tell you more of the things that God's starting to... I, I came home from that and was literally crying. My heart was on fire. I mean, Sean's even like, wow, that really moved you. And I'm like, you don't understand. The Lord is opening. And my dad did such a good job of laying a foundation of teaching you from the beginning of the word and then going all the way to the end and stepping us through step by step. We have to hear these things over and over again, okay? So that because our ears, they grow dull. Our hearts, they're actually hardened. And what the Spirit of God does when he takes the Word of God and he makes it alive and he just penetrates you with it is he opens you up. He softens you to the truth so that you can have more and more freedom, more and more liberty, and more and more relationship with him that he's already provided for us at the cross. And we're kind of going to be looking at that um, this morning. I'm excited where the Lord is taking us for this message. So, um, Lord... Thank you that you are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. You're the light in the darkness, Lord. We are um, so privileged. We are the most blessed generation because I do believe that we are going to see the second return of Jesus Christ. I do. I believe it. And people who say, well, the first century church believed that they would see the, that, you know, Jesus returning. Um, praise God. Praise God. Because whether I see him in falling asleep on this earth and waking in heaven, or I see him coming in the clouds, I want to be ready for the King of kings and the Lord of lords when he returns. And I know that that is why the women are here. We have gathered as your kids to partake, Lord God, of you. We want to know your ways. We don't want to grope around in the darkness. We want to be in the light. We are children of the light. And so, Lord, even now, would you, uh, by your Spirit, open us up for the message that you have prepared for us this morning, Lord, to bring us even into more of that light, more of that revelation, more of being completely anchored and settled in your love and, and the identity that you have written over us, the truth that we would be set free even in understanding our salvation in another level, another, another uh, depth, Lord God, a, a, a whole a bigger picture um, of even salvation that's always that gospel unfolding in front of us, Lord. So teach us, teach us this morning um, by the spirit of wisdom in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I even have crossed out part of my notes. I was going to talk about the names that, of God, and, but we just don't have enough time. So, um, But the Lord, where we're going to go this morning um, is uh, Exodus 6, and it's 6 through 7. And that's kind of, we're camping on that, and I'll have it up here on the screen in a second. Um, but Moses... Moses, um, he, he says this to the people of Israel as a mouthpiece to God, I mean from God to the people. He says, um, this is the Lord speaking to his kids, I am Adonai, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery, um, I'm sorry, to slavery. 
from slavery. Let me start over. I am Adonai, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery. To them, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and will do great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So right at the very beginning, who freed the children of Israel from their oppressors, the Egyptians, where they were slaves? Who did it? God. Could they have done it on their own? Absolutely not. From their, uh, literally, they were, it was a complete and sovereign an amazing and powerful act of God delivering his people. And what I want you to start to put into your little heads and into your little hearts is that we need to think about our sins in the exact same manner. What we're going to be looking at is the Lord shows the children of Israel in this bondage, in slavery, in Egypt, and he, by signs and power and wonder and by his might and by his name and for his glory, he delivers them from literally their burdens, their bondage, their their slavery for hundreds of years. He does it. He does it. And we get into this place where we start to think that we are the ones that are going to deliver ourselves. How many times have you... I I don't know if I can... Maybe I'll get to it later. Part of my own testimony. Um, So I want you to start to picture, not just in in history, this physical picture of a people group that are, are literally the descendants of Israel, the Hebrews, that God has called out, and now he's physically going to deliver them out of their bondage. It's a picture of us in salvation and also being delivered from the things that oppress you, the tormentors that oppress you. And what we like to think is that we have to do it on our own. And the whole point and the whole powerful, beautiful picture here is that God is the one who delivers us from these things. Um, Only God, only God. We can't do it. Does that feel good? That's what religion is. Religion tells you, you have to do this. It's like when my kids go, so we're going to another, we, we, we have to go to another, you know, feast. There's another one. No, 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 no. You get to go. You get to go. It starts switching. When you start, that darkness starts coming off of you and light starts flooding in. What happens first when you come into the light? It's like staring into these lights right here. It's like, it's a little blinding. It's a little, whoa, you know, like I just did that. Now I see spots and it's like, but then your eyes adjust, right? You know, and you start to go, I was always meant to see clearly. What happens when it's dark and you're walking? You trip on things, you fall, you hurt yourself, you're groping around, you don't know. God is giving us pictures and shadows and types and templates, and this is what we're going to be looking at this morning. And again, don't you dare come up because you are my girls and you have been taught and trained now and tell me only about salvation, you know, when you said the sinner's prayer that one time, you know, with your grandma, because what was that? That was day one. That was day one. The whole point is that these kids of God are supposed to get into the promised land. And the promised land is not heaven. Not heaven. 
we've got our ticket, I'm saved, and I'm going to go to heaven, and I just hunker and bunker until he gets here. No! The Lord is going, I'm bringing you from glory to glory to glory. I'm literally changing and transforming you from the inside out, where you literally look like me, you think like me, you speak, and it's me speaking through you, and the very power of God is channeled through you as a vessel by the Spirit of God. This is what he's doing. So, so they're on their way, but we're, we're at this place here, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, so, you know, and, and it's funny, because isn't it true that when we do say that prayer and we come to that place where we're saying, we want you to be Lord and Savior, there's certain sins that seem to just be broken off, right? Right. You're just like, wow. And then there's others that seem to uh, continue to come back and that we struggle with. And what God wants you to hear and me to hear, I, you know, this is personal. Me and him were talking all night long about this message. God wants to be our deliverer. He wants to free us and to have us overcome any and all sin that binds us. Anything that brings us into even just a little bit of slavery, even just a little bit of brokenness, even just a little bit of worldliness, of that, that old life that, that Jesus literally said is done away with. He, he wants to free us from all of it. Hmm. God wants to be our deliverer. So here is what he says. Oh, oh, let me, okay, so I'll, uh, I'll recap for you guys if I can do this in fast. Um, okay, so we were talking last week. Do you guys remember? There's Abraham, and then he has the promised son, Isaac, right? And then he has his son, Jacob and Esau, and then we talked about Jacob, and what was he doing all night long? He was wrestling with the angel of the Lord, and then his name gets changed to Israel, which then means governed by God from heel catcher, and um, the Lord is basically saying, go back to the promised land um, that I'm going to give, and then he has a bunch of sons, and one of them is named Joseph, and if you guys did the reading, you'll know all this. It was really exciting. As my friend said, it was a page turner. And then Joseph, he's like, he's a dreamer, a real, like he gets visions and dreams from God, but he shares because he was kind of mature and he should have kept his mouth shut. And all of his family is bowing down to him. And he's like the little brother and his big brothers didn't like that. And his dad had a favorite, and it was Joseph and his little coat of many colors. And so they take him and they sell him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. But again, where Satan always wants to destroy and rob and kill, and the Lord goes, I take the ashes and I make them beautiful. And God was working behind the scenes the entire time and literally gets it to a place where Joseph is then um, interpreting, long story short, the dream of Pharaoh and the seven years of famine and the seven years of feasting and what do we do, Joseph? And he gets wisdom from heaven and Joseph literally says, this is what you got to do. And then the reality of his dream happens and his brothers come and they're begging for food and, they, and his father is doing the same because of the famine and Egypt has food because of Joseph, because of the dreams, because God intended from the very beginning that he was going to use Joseph it says in the scripture, to save many lives, including his own family. And it's this beautiful reunion, and they get to go into the land of Goshen. And that is why the children of Israel are in Egypt, which is where our story is today. 
Did you guys follow that? Did you do good? Okay. Let's see. Oh, oh, okay. And now they are slaves because it's been hundreds of years. And um, Joseph is, is uh, you know, dead, with, you know, with his fathers. And, um, and it says that they didn't remember. The new Pharaoh did not know or remember Joseph in the stories. And all he sees is all of these Hebrews who literally have multiplied like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the skies, just like God had promised, and um, that they're doing very well. And he freaks out and he says, we better enslave these people because if we don't, they're going to come and rise up against us and they will, you know, take over. Um, And so they even try to um, murder uh, and throw the baby boys into the Nile River. But Moses' mom, she puts them in that little basket, sends it down the Nile, and um, Pharaoh's daughter finds the basket because, again, who's working behind the scenes? So when all hell is breaking loose, what should you be looking for? It's a choice. It's a choice. But he's working. He's moving. He is way maker. Miracle. You just got to get that in your head. So good. Um, okay, so I think we are caught up to our story. And now Moses, um, you know, he grew up there, uh, you know, and, and he ends up seeing um, one of the, the slave um, drivers, um, you know, hurting one of his brothers, you know, and he knows he's, uh, you know, Hebrew, and uh, and he murders him, and it scares him, and he feels like he's going to get caught, and he runs out into the desert, and literally the Lord shows himself to him in a burning bush, and he goes, you're going to be my mouthpiece. In fact, when you speak to Pharaoh to let my people go, He's not going to listen to you, and there's going to be this whole thing that goes and takes place, but my words will be in your mouth, and you, it, when you speak to Pharaoh, it will be as though God is speaking to him, because the very things that you speak will come to pass. And again, this is not in my notes, but a side note, my dad has talked about this too, that this is the year in the Hebrew calendar um, that literally is, it, it, it's the year of the mouth. It's that 80, 5780. And he's, I believe this too prophetically, that this is the time where we need to understand the ways of God and even our roots. We've got to be so rooted and bound to the word of God and led by the spirit of God with his words in our mouth that this is a season prophetically in time and space that we will speak and it will be as if God is speaking through us. So this is, yeah, set your expectations here. That's good. You're in the right place. Um, okay, so back to our, um, okay, well, and, and one more picture. See, I'm trying, are you guys following me? Am I, are you okay? Okay, so, um, you know, we'll go to some of the, we're going to wrap around with the plagues at the end, but remember, God does all these, these, he sends all these plagues, right, to, um, I'm expecting that you guys did your reading, uh, that he sends all these plagues, um, and, um, I mean, they're, it's gnarly. It's gnarly. And it, you know, Pharaoh keeps saying, yeah, I'll let your people go. And then he hardens his heart. And then, you know, another plague comes through the mouth of Moses, you know, the Nile turning to blood and, the, you know, the, we'll look at the frogs and all this kind of stuff and, um, and what, what was going on there. But um, the last one was the most severe. And he said, this time he'll let you go. 
Um, and it was, do you guys remember, it was to take, the Lord said, to his people, and anyone who would listen, it was open to the Egyptians too, if they listened, um, to take a lamb, a spotless lamb, and actually sacrifice the lamb and place the blood over the doorpost and the lentils of that household, and then to stay inside, literally a covering of, of a lamb and his blood over your household, so that the angel of death that would come that night would pass over your house, and your family would be safe. But if you didn't have the blood of the lamb over your doorpost, then what would happen but the firstborn son would his life would be taken, all ages. Um, so um, again, what are we doing here? What is God doing here? What is he showing us from the beginning to the end? He wants his kids to understand these things, that unless, what was that a picture and a shadow of? A type of? The blood of the Lamb of God who would come and take away the sins of the world. They were practicing it. They were learning it. They were being obedient to it. Uh, that Because you don't understand this Egypt and sin and darkness. It has like rights over you. Unless you start to come and do my ways, you're on your own, kid. And on your own, what happens is death comes to your door and there is nothing you can do about it. So the lamb, there was nothing. It was just a picture and a shadow and a type of the ultimate fulfillment of Jesus because it always, it's all about Jesus. It comes back to Jesus and, and then the whole redemptive story, the love story that we're looking at. So that to um, our, our verse here. Um, therefore, and we can, oh good, it's up there. Can you guys see it? Um, say to the children of Israel, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. And we're just camping out on basically these four things. Um, these four statements. And what is so cool is that the Lord put this in the four cups of the Seder Passover. So every year after the children of Israel get delivered like this um, in our story, um, way back in history, the Lord had them do this uh, meal, a Passover meal, which literally is the passing over of that death angel because the blood of the lamb is covering that, that you and your, your household and your family. Can you see the beautiful pictures? And the, I mean, it's stunning how the Lord, he wants us to be saved, to be delivered. He painstakingly shows us. He has them do this every single year, the, the Jewish people. Um, you know, and so there's four cups that they take of wine in this Passover dinner that they do together, remembering the, the, literally the salvation that God delivered them from their bondage, from their burdens, from slavery, um, bringing them into a homeland. And so there's these four cups that they drink every year when they practice and they remember and they thank God for that salvation, that deliverance. Um, and the four cups are represented right here, and that's what we're going to look at. Isn't that cool? It's amazing. 
And if you don't think it's cool, like my son, where he's like, wait, what? Like, it, it's, 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 it's coming, it's trickling down. This is truth. Um, and it's a, a truth as a person. So he's, he's giving you more understanding right now, I promise, because his words are alive. Um, so, yeah, these four cups, they represent these four steps, four steps of salvation. And I think what we've done, I mean, it's so good. I was telling Sean, I wish we would have used this, like, for all time because it makes it make so much more sense. I shouldn't have to be telling you that don't just tell me about saying a prayer of salvation and that's the end of your salvation story. But yet we've kind of made it to be like that, just a one-step thing, you know? Uh, think about it, right? How many Christians do you know? And they're stagnant and stuck. And man, are they still under burdens and are they still being tormented, uh, you know, uh, um, and, and marks of slavery all over them when the sun has set them free? So I love this. Um, I, I want you to think and examine your own heart as we're looking at these things. And then even when you're walking someone else through these kinds of things, like in discipleship, the four, there's, there's steps and there's seen in these statements. And who's doing it all? God, I will, I will, I will, I will. It's the Lord who does it. So beautiful. Um, so let's see. Da, 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 da. Um, okay, and, and going through these steps, it gives us a better chance that we don't go back to Egypt. How many people do you know they go, they go back? Egypt is a picture of the world, your old life, sin, bondage, slavery. Um, and the Lord says, don't ever go back to Egypt. Don't go back. And what do we think that we, we think that we've done a good job with our sins when we lock them up? And we kind of like jail them. Um, but here's the problem. Like, see, I locked it up. I locked it up. Locked it down. It's locked down. It's right there. See, I got the key. But you have the key. And you go back and you visit those sins. And you take them out when you miss them and you want them again. <laughs> and we're not to go back. Psalm 116.13 says, I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord, because the Lord is the one who brings salvation to us. Luke twenty two seventeen. now you're going all the way into the New Testament, and Jesus, when he's walking here on the earth in sandals, and he takes the cup, it says, and he gives thanks, and then he, he takes it and he says, divide it amongst yourselves. So it's in this Passover, the Seder, the first cup that they drink, is where the Lord says, I'm going to bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So the first cup is sanctification. I'm going to bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. I'm going to do that. The first cup. God is saying in sanctification, he says, I chose you. I chose you. I chose you. <laughs> Don't, don't, you know, we, we choose him too. The Bible teaches both, but don't get it twisted. There's other scriptures that say that he picked you. He chose you. You have been chosen. And then someone says, well, how do you know if I've been chosen? Well, what do you choose? Do you choose him back? Why choose him back? Well, then you're chosen too. Don't make it more complicated than it has to be. But know that you are chosen. I set you apart. Sanctification means set apart. You've been set apart. 
So this first cup, he's going, I choose you. Put your name in there. Annie, I chose you to set you free from the heavy burdens of this world. Put your name in there. He's chosen you to be set free from the burdens of this world. And when you, you first get saved, what happens? There's like a lot of, you feel a big load taken off of you, don't you? When you first come to that place where, Jesus, I need you, and you call on that cup of salvation in the name of the Lord, and, and you feel a burden come off of you, don't you? I mean, did you guys experience that? You don't have to, but many times you do feel and experience that. There's a huge release, and you know it. The thing is, though, is that, okay, you're sanctified. You are set apart. You've been chosen. Um, but the, the next thing that we need to understand is you're still chained to Egypt. You're still chained to Egypt. We are sanctified. That big burden is lifted off of our back in salvation. We are saved. There's that ticket to heaven. You know, it's like, yeah, but, but now we need the next cup which is the cup of deliverance. We need to be delivered at that point. We got to be delivered from these chains that still bind us to Egypt. So it's not, it's, it's a, remember, we're going from glory to glory to glory. And again, I propose these cups that we get to drink and we're going to drink communion, the cup, um, uh, you know, signifying Jesus' blood and his redemption and, and sanctification and all the things that we're going to go through. This is something that we can go through actually daily, thanking and praising him and new layers and levels of it being excavated off of our mind, off of our thinking, even in our bodies, our emotions. Trust me, when your soul is right with God and experiencing and praising and thanking thanking him for these things, your body will actually testify of you and say, thank you. And you're going to be at rest here in your thoughts, and you'll be at rest here in your emotions. It affects every part of who we are. So these cups, we can drink them daily, actually. It's just so beautiful. So, okay, we've got to be delivered from the chains that bind us to Egypt. Sin is like a chain that is binding us, and God wants to break those chains. We have our song. You can't break those chains, though. You can't do it. You cannot do it. Does that make you feel good, though? Like, just release yourself from that. The enemy wants you to think that you have to do it. And it's like quicksand, you know? You you're break, go, and all you do, you're sinking deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> hmm. It's a little too real in here. Everyone's like, it's not funny, any. <laughs> I'm in quicksand, help! <laughs> but the good news is, is God can break these chains. He breaks the chains, and it's all grace. Okay, this verse ruined my life in a good way. Romans 5, 8, God in his love towards us. It was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. And I believed the lie of the enemy for most of my life. It's like I understood grace and I was saved, but then I struggled with kind of wanting to have one foot in the world and one foot over here. And how do you know that's the most miserable of all sorts? I told my kids, you're completely screwed because you know the truth and you've already been set free. So when you try to taste it, it's going to taste like bitter waters when you go to the world because you tasted the real thing. Thank you very much. <laughs> try it. 
yeah, it makes you throw up. It's gross, right? See? Um, and I was that person. I was that, I was that kid. Um, and then, you know, uh, but it was this concept that, oh, you're just going to fall in that sin again, that, that one, because there's one that's curtailed to you that so easily besets you. And for someone else, it doesn't beset, you know, trip them up, but it trips you up and everyone's kind of got their own thing. <laughs> um, and uh, the enemy just would whisper to me like, why even get up? Because you know you're going to end up in the mud again. Why get up? And I remember in my so easily besetting sin after, you know, a come to Jesus moment, never again, Lord, I will. I will never do it again. I will never this. I will never. (laughs) And there I was in the mud again, and Satan's lying to me again, and I'm believing him. And this verse literally came to life in like a vision in front of me. And I saw the Lord on the cross in, in, you know, my mind's eye. Remember, sanctified imagination. And he speaks there. Those are visions. And he said, Anne Elizabeth, I died for that sin that you are in right now. And I love you. And I was like, (gasps) I mean, bawling in the midst. And it changed my life forever, forever. You guys, God so loves you that even when you were at war against him, he said, I died for you. I died for you. <laughs> so, okay, there is another problem though. God has taken your burdens and he breaks these chains of sin to Egypt. But then the next thing to free um, you from um, is, <laughs> here's the problem, this is kind of funny. You're still in Egypt, so now you've been sanctified and, you know, um, he sets you apart and he chooses you. And then, um, you know, he's delivering you from the chains that tie you to Egypt. But then we're going to get into this place where you're like, but you're still physically in Egypt. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep explaining. God wants to actually rescue you and deliver you out of Egypt. So that second cup, God says, I'm going to rid you of your bondage. So God takes off that yoke, and he breaks those chains. And how does he do it, you guys? I gave myself as a personal example. How does he do it? He does it by love. It's when I saw his love for me that I was undone. It was the mercy of God that that broke those chains, and I wouldn't listen to the lie the way that I had my entire life up until that point. And the I will became the, the I will of God. And he did it in my life. So he breaks those chains. But you and I cannot serve two masters. I use myself as an example of that too. We can't serve the Lord and Pharaoh. So God wants to get them out of Egypt. Romans 16, 16, or sorry, 6, 16. Do you not know that whomever you present yourself as a slave for obedience you are slaves to whomever you obey. So here, he breaks it down for us. We get two choices, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. So remember, we've talked about this. The Lord goes, this is how I made you. I'm the creator of you and the universe, and I make your heart beat. So let me tell you how this works. You're made to worship. You're made to serve in, in, in relationship with me, but you get to choose, and if you choose righteousness, it brings you life. But if you choose to serve sin and let that be your master and give your members over to it, whether it's your eyes, what you watch, what comes out of your mouth, 
the things that you listen to. Um, you know, I, I had a little, I'll, you know, tell myself, I, I've discovered cuss words. I think it was terrible. Like in fifth grade, I was like, whoa, look at that word. Blah. And um, I remember the first one I said in the library and was like, oh my gosh. I mean, it was crazy because um, I can remember it. And, um, and the feeling like, you, you know, you're cool. Like, yeah, that meant something. Look at that, um, which is stupid. And so the Lord told me later, he goes, you know that you're speaking um, the language of the demonic when you curse. <laughs> What, what are you rendering your members to? There's lots of members here on your body, and all of them are supposed to be in life and in liberty and freedom. And, and actually, uh, you know, but you're going to serve. You get to choose. And God is saying you can't stay in Egypt. So God lifts our burdens. He breaks the chains, but we um, go and put the chains back around our ankles again, don't we? Hmm. So we might be free from the Egyptians, but we are still in Egypt. Luke twenty-two nineteen through 20, we see another cup presented. This is back into the New Testament. So I want you to see they're not separated and there's not the mean God of the Old Testament and the good, nice Jesus in the New. There, it's, it's one God, one message, and it's always grace and it's always been mercy. Um, we see another cup presented at the Passover, that Seder, remembering the deliverance for the ultimate fulfillment that Jesus, the Lamb of God, would free all of his kids, not just from a physical Egypt, but from a tormentor who afflicts our souls and, and brings us into darkness and who wants to devour us and bring death to us and, and in our generations and bring cursings over us. Satan himself and the demonic forces. And the Lord is going, I have sent my son, my lamb, to literally free you from that and the world and, and, and the fleshly appetites that don't bring you life. So Jesus, there's this other cup presented at the Passover, and he takes the bread, and he gives thanks. He breaks it, and Jesus gives it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, and there, there's, a, there's a third cup. He's talking about his blood that was shed for us. In Colossians 1.13, it says that the Lord has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his son. So you were once darkness, and the Lord goes, there's the picture of Egypt, darkness. And he says, and now because if you put that blood of the lamb over the doorpost of your heart and soul, and on the lentils here, my blood, the, the, the lamb of God, then you get translated not just from a physical Egypt and slave, slavery and taskmasters and eking life by and, you know, I mean, no hope. I, it's supposed to be a picture for us, you guys, that these people literally went through. But he goes, I take you from darkness and now I deliver you. And now you are a child of the light. You're being translated into my son's kingdom. He says, I will rescue you from bondage deliverance completely bringing us up to that third cup. And that third cup is the cup of redemption. He redeems us. And he does it, how? With, our, with his blood. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. So the burdens are taken off. The chains are broken. And now you need to leave Egypt. 
because we've sold ourselves to sin, to Egypt, to the world, to its appetites. And now a payment legally has to be made. In the spirit realm, everything is done legally because the Lord is just. He's right. He's fair. He's true. And the enemy is looking for any little places to get you. And we sold ourselves. We listened. What did we do back in the Garden of Eden? Who did we listen to? Because we were obeying way back then. God said, do this. And what did we do? We're going to obey Satan. We've been obeying from from that time. So the Lord is going, there's a legal payment. And Jesus says, I made the payment. I made the payment. And now you are free to go. The problem is some of us like Egypt. Uh, The burden has been lifted. The chains are broken. But you know, I kind of like being between two worlds. And that was me, you know, high school and stuff. I want a bit of both, but that doesn't work. Psalm 49, 7 through 8, too. We're talking about redemption. To redeem something means to purchase it back, to pay for something. And, uh, you know, Psalms tells us that no one can buy any man's um, redemption for their relative. They, they can't give to God a ransom for him. It's too costly. It won't work. And this is the other part. If you are trying to still stay in both worlds, it's an identity problem. You do not know who you are and how much you are loved. You don't understand the price of redemption that paid to get you out of Egypt, or you would never want to stay. That's what happened to me in that picture when I saw what it cost the Lord and the love that he still had for me when I was steeped in my Egypt and it broke me in a good way and literally set me free, changed the entire trajectory of my walk with the Lord and the life that I now have and live and I wouldn't trade it for anything You need to know your value. You need to know your worth to God. Because think about it. He like made all the wealth of the world. Like the streets are made of gold in heaven. I mean, like a gate is a pearl. Come on. The wealth of the world belongs to him and it cost him nothing to create these things. It's all his. But in order to redeem you, because of your worth and your value, he had to send his own son and have his blood be shed to purchase you and redeem you back. Know your value. You are highly valuable to him. It cost him everything to redeem you and to make that payment to get you legally back. Hmm. And the price was his blood. And he gave his life for you. And many of us have that identity problem. We think that we're worthless and the devil wants you to keep thinking that way. Um, to, to, to believe what he speaks over you. When the Lord says, I, I literally, I've chosen you, I'm breaking the chains, I'm sanctifying you, I'm setting you apart, and I've redeemed you, and the price was, it speaks of your value to me. It cost him everything to redeem you. And now we get to the fourth cup, the cup of acceptance. And I love this. But can you, do you understand how so much of the time we, we stop salvation at just like the first cup, right? You know, in a sense. 
um, and that there's all these different, the, the beautiful layers to just dive into the love of God and to be changed and transformed into this sonship. Because the last one, he says, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. So he took their burdens, he broke their chains, he paid their price to redeem them and take them out of Egypt. And then, if that were not enough, he says, and now I, I want to be your father. I want to father you. I want you to be my daughter. I, I will be your God. You will be my kids. And, and why? So this goes to the whole point of why he created us. Why? Does God need anything? No, he needs nothing. He's perfect. In the Trinity, there's just love that's just continually, it's been perfect. He has like lack of nothing or, or need of nothing. But he made you because it was his good pleasure because he wants a family. And he wants to share that love that he has within the Trinity with you and with me. So he wanted relationship. Everyone, okay, so now, so there's the four cups. I want you to picture, I want you to think about those layers, and I just want to scooch around to the actual plagues that were taking place, okay? Can you guys switch a little bit with me and go back into, like, the story um, here? Because every one of the plagues that was sent by God was a judgment on the gods of Egypt. They, they like, so Egypt actually, like, when the frogs were multiplied, um, Egypt actually served um, frogs, so God was kind of like, you like frogs? I'll give you frogs. And, you know, Moses stretches out his hand over the waters and Aaron and frogs start coming and coming and coming up and it's in their houses and all over the place. Frogs for days. Um, they cover the whole land of Egypt. Okay? Um, but, uh, and, and the funny thing is, is that the magicians copy it, but whenever, because <laughs> Satan always copies, he can't create um, but, but what did the, the magicians do? They made more frogs. We don't need more frogs. <laughs> they couldn't get rid of the frog. When, 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 when Moses turns the Nile, the water, the resource, the life like flow of that whole entire people group, <laughs> and he makes it blood, what do the magicians do? They're like, Here's, we have a little clean water in this pot blood. They're like, that's the only water we had to drink. You know, it's like, <laughs> think about it. It's kind of funny. More blood. We don't need more blood. We need water. Hmm. Okay, so we're, I'm going to skip ahead in this verse that I read to you. We're almost done. Um, but we'll read this. I think it's in this next week's reading. Exodus 31, 18. And when he finished speaking with him, this is God, on Mount Sinai, God, he gave Moses two tablets of testimony, two tablets of stone, and here's the part I want you to hear, is he does it with the finger of God. The finger of God writes the commands that bring life and liberty when you do these things. This is how I want my kids to live. This is what brings them freedom. These are not burdens. These are things that actually, this is what you were always intended and made to do. And it's by the finger of God that he writes these and gives them to Moses on the mountain. He's going to bring them back down to the children of Israel. But the tablets were written with the finger of God. Now back into our reading this last week, Exodus chapter Eight. It says, then the magicians, they go to Pharaoh and they say to him, 
This is the finger of God that is bringing all these plagues. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he didn't listen to them as the Lord said that he wouldn't listen. The finger of God is also the Spirit of God. It's his Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. With the new covenant, the Spirit of God, listen, do you know he never wanted, but again, he's leading us, he's training us like kids, he's showing us, he's teaching us, he's patiently and lovingly bringing us in to the fullness, because we remember, we've got to be changed, we gotta, we've, we've got to Egypt all over us, and God's going, let me take you out, and we've got to do this, and, let me. and it's all love, it's all motivated by love and, and family and sonship. And he's doing all these things. But listen, he never wanted those laws that bring life and liberty to be written on tablets of stone, but the very finger of God actually wants to write it on the tablets of our heart. The finger of God, the Spirit of God. Right here, Jeremiah 31, 33. This will be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. I will write it in their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And we'll end here, Exodus 9, 15 through 16. For now I will stretch out my hand that I can smite you and your people with pestilence. This is the Egyptians, and be cut off from the earth. And for this very deed, this is why I raised you up speaking of Pharaoh, to show in you my power that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. And the Lord is making ready to do this very same thing again. In space and time, on the prophetic time clock right now, we are living in a place where the Lord is about ready to say, we're feeling the birth pains. He's talked about this from the beginning to the end, the pictures and the shadows and the types and practice these things because there's ultimate fulfillments and I'm showing you so that you're ready. And the Lord again is going to bring down the gods of Egypt with powerful signs and powerful wonders. Right now, we're going to watch them fall. And the Lord is inviting us, his kids, to actually participate and be like a Moses. Speak the words of God and the signs and the heavens open up and we're not afraid because we continue to drink the cups and we know that it's all of him. I will, I will, I will, I will. And we get to just participate and be a conduit and flow with the Spirit as he's written his laws on the tablets of our hearts. Amen? Okay. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for just all the layers. I love how you I just, oh, I pray that every single woman in here would feel completely anchored in love right now. Just totally sure, um, confident, steadfast, um, immovable, um, not going back and forth in waves and, and, and doubt or fear, but settled. And a hush comes over them in their most inward being and they know who they are and they know their God and his name is Father and you're teaching us and you're bringing us into more love than we can possibly imagine and we praise you and we thank you for that Lord and so now I want you guys to take um, a cup, your cup in the center of your table and we will drink that cup remembering that cup we'll just do it together before you guys have time table time and you can take the bread too. My, we'll take it together. 
And I want you just to think about these four cups that he's taken your burdens and any burden that you're carrying right now, bring it to the foot of the cross. It could be a person, a relationship, a worry, a stress, a bill even, a health issue. Mm, is this all true? It's mm, too good to be true? No. It's all, it's true. Mm. And it resonates in your, your inward parts because he's made you to recognize his voice because you're his kid. So take that burden, any burden, or if you're in a place of just awe and wonder and love, thank him that he takes our burdens. And then any place that you have a chain that still is binding you to Egypt, ask him to break it now in the mighty name of Jesus that he would break that chain, that you don't want that chain tethering you to slavery and bondage and torment anymore. And he redeems you with his own blood. Thank him, remember, praise him that today he has rescued you. He has, he is, and he will hmm, redeem us. And then say, you know, thank you that you're my father and that I'm your child, that I'm known, I'm set apart, that I've been chosen by you and that you are my father. And then take the cup and take the bread and do this in remembrance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Amen. So good, yeah? So it's a quiet hush. Well, there was a lot that happened this week or things that you guys can talk about. Maybe something that you learned new. Discuss at your tables, please. See you next week.